In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, have you ever asked a question to someone and they give you the politically or the spiritually correct answer? Yes, the answer would be. You know what, it's it's interesting because many times I might know like what the correct answer would be, but what I am looking for is guidance and coming to the conclusion and, I, and I'm looking for a little bit of empathy and just help me in that journey to get there. Exactly. An example would be when you're experiencing an, an attack by the enemy, you know, just spiritual warfare, and you get the pat answer such as, you know, you need to put on the full armor of God. Well, you already know that. You, you, you know the answers, but what you're looking for when you're sharing your struggles and you're sharing these issues and, and you're just really feeling that attack is you want, like you said, you want empathy, you want application. You, you do want them to kind of guide you in that direction rather than just giving you the scripture to read. Absolutely. So hold that thought, because before we get too far into our show, we want to remind everyone that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty White and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks that we have up our sleeve at our website at girlfriendit.com. Where you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. Before we introduce our first guest, because we're going to just kind of jump into our show, we want to advise you that due to the topic of our show, because we're going to be talking about um, some dark subjects like spiritual warfare, women in the sex industry, and domestic violence, that the content of today, it may be a little graphic and disturbing. And the stories that you're going to hear, they're real life, but they are also, we're going to focus on the hope and the healing and the encouragement that is found when Christ comes into your life and you can overcome these things. Well, our first guest today is Annie LaPere, and she is the founder of Hookers for Jesus. Later in the show, we will be talking with Marianne Douglas, founder of Mama's House, a safe place for women. And we have to go back to Annie. We were instantly drawn to Annie when we met this past February in Dallas, Texas, as we were all leading a conference for Strip Church, which is part of the ministry or organization of triplexchurch.com. And we got to hear her incredible stories. As a matter of fact, I think we both just sat there as she was speaking with our, our jaws yes. <laughs> dropped. But now we claim her as our friend. And um, we just had that, that kindred spirit, that instant girlfriend glue when we were um, talking to her. And Annie is a former call girl and sex industry worker who founded the International Christian Ministry Hookers for Jesus. And you can see Annie on the I Am Second International production, which I would Google that 
as soon as you can because it's, um, first of all, I Am Second is a wonderful, uh, I don't know if Hollywood produced it, whoever produced it, but it's an amazing um, way. concept. Yes. And uh, she also did a documentary on the organization titled Hookers Saved on the Strip, which broadcasted nationwide on cable television's investigation discovery. But she worked 16 years as a prostitute and in escort service, and she's passionate for women now um, just to share Christ and just being the voice, like you said, just for hope and healing from the darkness of the sex industry. So welcome, Annie. Hi, ladies. How are you? We are doing awesome. And and we just, you know, talking to you and you had um, so many solutions. You know, even yesterday when we talked, um, you just have all kinds of tips and tricks to, to help us out with this topic that we're talking about today of spiritual warfare. So it's going to be one of those things that we are going to dive right in there. Annie, are you ready for it? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> well, you know, just like yesterday we were talking about, it's, it's kind of amazing. It's, it's shocking, actually, the ignorance uh, that we have as Christians today on what exactly spiritual warfare is. And I think living in America, we get so caught up in the, um, just the affluence and, you know, striving for the happiness and, and doing our job that, I don't know, maybe we're not even a threat sometimes to the enemy because we're not doing anything that can make an impact. But... Um, we don't realize how much the enemy wants to destroy us. And there is a battle, a real spiritual battle that is taking place by a very crafty, powerful, and um, the spirit that's just dedicated to our destruction. And I, just on a side note, I would like to recommend C.S. Lewis, um, the screw tape letters. That is my, my son just read that. And just amazing, just the how Satan is really out to just find our weaknesses and, and go for it. And even God calls Satan the ruler of this world. But on a happy note, there are things we can do because we have authority over the enemy. And uh, we just want to go there with, you had to have seen so much darkness being in the sex industry. Uh, can you just share with us some a little part of your story? And then we're going to lead into... Uh, leaders that are dealing in ministry, just how we can help them with this spiritual warfare and the attack of the enemy. That sounds great. You know what? I actually, you know, started dealing with spiritual warfare. You know, we all do. At a very young age, we don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, it says in, in Ephesians six twelve that we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rules and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And when you read that scripture, you don't really think that they're talking about, that he's really talking about, you know, the, the actual uh, Satan himself or demons. We, all, we, always, we always assume that that's exactly who he's talking about. But, but this, this, I went and looked up the commentary on this, by the way, uh, and, you know, was looking at the word heavenly places, and I was wondering what do they exactly mean by that? And that is actually based on the old Judaic law in the Old Testament and the the rulers back then that made the law and made religion, 
you know, for for the Jewish culture and then transformed into, into the New Testament, which is, to me, you know, it spoke so much to me yesterday when I was looking it up, because as I was growing up, I went to church, and we had to follow the rules, and mm-hmm. Sunday school, and then my father was just a real strict disciplinary person. He was in the Air Force. He was an ex-alcoholic, and you can kind of figure out what comes with that. He had mm-hmm. baggage that he never cleaned up, right? Mm-hmm. So I right away saw hypocrisy right off Right, I mean, pretty much coming out of my mother's womb, and and just really, you know, like in into my home, like okay, we're going to church, but only you're only going on Christmas and you're only going on Easter, but yet we're going every Sunday, and you know, and you know, God is supposed to be love. Well, the Father's supposed to be love. Well, my Father, I don't feel love for my Father, so right away I had to battle that in my heart and my mind that you know, does my dad love me? Mm-hmm. And 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 the fact that I did not know for sure that my daddy loved me, just like I didn't know God loved me, turned me into this person, you know, of, of bitterness, unforgiveness, anger. And then I eventually, you know, became very promiscuous as a teen and realized that boys were looking at me. And so that led into promiscuity and, you know, dating the wrong guys, getting date raped. And then eventually in my teens, I turned into a prostitute to a friend, friend's introduction because we met two pimps at a nightclub that we didn't know were pimps. So mm-hmm. I'll just make this story really fast because hey, a lot of people Hey, real quick, I have my- to interrupt you on that one, Annie. Um, isn't that interesting that pimps don't wear a sign saying, I am... I am a pimp, and it goes back <laughs> to the enemy. It, the enemy never wears the sign. It's always no, never, enticing. Right? right. He's always, he always has masks, and it's not just one mask. It's usually several that you have to layer off. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he has the rule over the demons, so, you know, that's one-third of heaven. The heavenly realm came down to the earth, and, and it says in the Word that he's in the air. He roams about in the air. He's, you know, so, you know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean he can't attack us or, you know, just because we're covered in the blood of Jesus doesn't mean he can't get in our mind and start telling more lies to us. In fact, I think that's when the real attack comes, okay? So as as I was, you know, doing my work as a, as a prostitute, I did see a lot of darkness, you know, and obviously I met the pimp and he basically brutalized me and abused me, you know, pistol whipped me, uh, physically abused me, blood was drawn, I mean, black Mm -hmm. eyes, broken noses, broken ribs, clavicles, you know, uh, fractured bones, and it's like, you know what, I really, really wanted that love so deeply that my dad never, you know, showed me Mm-hmm. That I was willing to prostitute myself, even if without money, to and lower myself and abase myself for a man just to know, just to know that he cared about me, just to know mm-hmm. that he was on my side and that he was going to lead me out of the darkness that I was in. But see, you know, I was so deceived. And and when I was a little girl, five years old, I did say, Jesus, come into my heart. But I don't think as a child we even understand mm-hmm. what that really means. And I think that, uh, you know, when we get older, we should have the freedom to make that decision on our own. It shouldn't always be a forced decision just because everyone else is raising their hand in class, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, as I, I finally got out of the industry, I mean, long story short, of course, and, you know, for the first two years, I did not, you know, start the ministry. I needed to heal. And see, this is where I think a lot of Christians, they, they, they get saved, and then they just want to jump right in. They want to just, mm-hmm. and that's great. You want to jump in the water. You want to rescue people that are done. That's great. But first of all, you need to learn how to swim first, okay? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so that's something that a lot of, uh, you know, people that I've seen, you know, get saved and they start ministries, and uh, there, there's no real inner healing, and there's no real inner peace or, uh, you know, solitary in their life, and they don't really mm-hmm. know who they are in Christ. And so then they get they get into these ministries, and they want to serve, and that's great that you want to serve, and, and, and I think that we should always be servant leaders, okay? We should start with serving and not being a leader, because people are still going to look at you as a leader because you are serving, but we shouldn't immediately take that space. Well, I'm going to start a ministry, and you're going to follow what I do. So long story short, I really, you know, wanted to reach out to the women, but that was after the real deep inner healing happened within me. And, of course, we're not healed until we absolutely perfect, perfected, it says in the Word, until we see Jesus Christ and we're with Him. But well, so we all have little... We, you are, like, going so quickly here. We have uh, we have to go into a commercial break, but our topic today is dark with deep roots of destruction. But there is hope, so stay with us, and we'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. What does success mean to you? Money? Power? Fame? Having everything money can buy? Does it mean having a job or career that you love? A great family life? Or simply to be happy? If you're still searching for answers, then join us each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for Primetime Success Radio, where Alan Skidmore and his special guests will discuss health, finances, relationships, being in business, and how you can have a life that is not only successful, but a life of meaning. Alan has been studying success principles for over 25 years through reading, attending seminars, interviewing successful people, and a daily lesson from the School of Hard Knocks. And now he wants to share that information with you. So join Alan Skidmore on Primetime Success Radio every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network, as he takes you on a journey of finding the heart of your success. Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back. We are all about connecting and community, and we 
Patty and I, we just love to see how God orchestrates relationships and friendships and how he just really connects the dots. Well, we first heard about our guest, Annie LaPere, when we had Cheryl Cooper, who is the wife of the rock legend Alice Cooper on our show. And behind the scenes, we were talking with Cheryl and she said, okay, you guys have got to meet my friend and connect with Annie LaPere. So we, we heard of Annie from a distance and thought, okay, someday we're going to connect with her. And then our Sunday became this past February, like we said, when we were actually doing ministry with her and leading um, with Strip Church and um, teaching and training other churches how to go into and really befriend and reach women that are caught and trapped in the sex industry. Well, Annie, when we when we went into our commercial break, you had been talking about just the healing. So many times when we're coming out of the darkness and we're coming out of that life and we're discovering Christ and we want to follow him and we're energetic, that so many times our tendency is we want to jump right into leading. We're what we really need to do is give ourselves some time to really heal and, like you said, learn to swim before we jump into the leading. But once we do kind of go through that, that time of healing and we're in that leading, there are a lot of challenges with leading. And that's one of the things that Patty and I discovered when you talk to women doing ministry and leading. It, it gets lonely. It gets isolated. And there's um, that spiritual warfare just will smack us in the face so many times and we don't know what to do with it. And a lot of times we just want to quit. And we know that's not the answer. Can you just, from your personal experience and what you're seeing, just address this, this idea of leadership and how spiritual warfare really collides with that? Yeah, I think spiritual warfare plays the major role in it because I think that Satan really wants to discourage Christians from really trusting each other, believing in each other, and and backing each other up. And and I think what happens is is when you you start leading others, you know, you, of course you're going to always get. I just call them the weirdos. They come to you, oh, I want to serve in your ministry, and then they're like, all of a sudden they're taking over the ministry, and you're like, wait a second. I just met you a month ago. All of a sudden, they're like, well, I want to speak, okay, I want to do this, and I want to do that. And then, you, you know, because you want to be a nice Christian, because we're all taught in, in in church, and we're all taught, you know, in the Christian way that you're, you're, we're supposed to lead with love, right? And, so when we, they, and the thing is, is these people that do this, they know the Word, and they'll bring the Word to you and say, well, you know, Jesus let them do this, and, and this is what it says in the Word, you know, you, you, should, you shouldn't be so selfish with your position. I mean, they'll, they'll call you out on stuff that isn't even pertaining to you because they want to, they want to disrobe you and they want to dismantle you off that, um, a spiritual authority mm-hmm. that God has mentally put on your life as a strong mm-hmm. leader because there's something inside of them that's still warring because they don't know who they are in Christ. So they want what you have. It's just like in James when they talk about, you, you know, you, you, you have because you don't ask. Okay, you greed, you war, you steal, you do whatever it takes, you kill to get what you want. And, and it's, it, all it says in there is says we're supposed to submit to, the, submit to God and the devil will flee. Well, how do we submit to God as servers and as leaders? We have to get real with God and say, Lord, I'm falling short. Lord, I, I don't feel like I, I can do this, Lord. And, and we just need to humble ourselves. And I think that leading takes a lot of humility. Mm. But, you know, when you see pride in one of the people that are serving you, or I should say serving God and not serving us, but you get it, right? Right, right. And you see a lot of pride uh, take over, and, and then when you see those little red flags, and, and, and ladies, we all have to take a chance on people that God's telling us to take a chance, even mm-hmm. sometimes when we see little red flags, because we all have flaws. But what I think, I think the major spiritual warfare is, is letting them lead and then... Do, be in a prominent position in your ministry, and then actually having them completely mess you over, 
and almost destroyed the ministry. And let me tell you something personally about myself is that I've almost quit so many times mm. because I, I, people I thought were my friends and they were strong Christians were actually my enemy. Mm-hmm. They saw, they saw the attention, they saw the cameras, they saw, you know, the, the notoriety that, you know, of course, mm-hmm. these sex trafficking ministries are just like blowing up like popcorn across the land. We've got thousands now, right? So it, it's, it's like this. They, they see the, and I'm talking about the people that aren't really ready and they're not healed yet. They mm-hmm. see the, the, it's kind of like the world. You know, the corporate world where, oh, gosh, i got to get that kind of business. i got to invest in that because mm-hmm. I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that because I'm so insecure inside. I've got to make people think I'm something big that I'm really not. And, and that's what I'm talking about. When you want to handle people, you have to know how to swim. Because if you don't know what you're doing, these type of people will, will completely flatten you or run you over with the car. And you won't even know what hits you. I know because mm-hmm. it's happened to me. And, you know, I had to pick up the pieces, and God was like, Annie, I never told you to partner with that person. Mm. I gave you, you know, not just two, three red flags. I gave you, like, 50. And you proceeded to go forward because you believed the lie of the enemy. You believed mm. what they said, that they were going to help you. And, and you got desperate for help. And, mm. see, I think that's where the enemy gets us because he, he knows that we need help with our ministries. Mm-hmm. He knows for us to expand, we need helping hands, right? So, and, and when we become desperate for help, that's when he can come in there and just really wreak havoc. And, mm-hmm. and you know, what the, the major point is, is picking up the pieces after you've been messed over so terribly with, mo- with money, not just money, <laughs> but that's mm-hmm. a big factor, where you're competing for money. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see that person start the same exact type of ministry, and you're like, wait a second. They signed a clause saying that they wouldn't copy and paste, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know, you, you just you just need loyalty. And when you see the disloyalty happen within the body of Christ, it's very disheartening. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it. How do you continue? I'll tell you what. This is where God put me. Put me in a place where I got on my face, and I I, t- I shut down the I shut down my phone. I shut down the world. I didn't talk to anyone for a while, and I took a sabbatical because mm. I needed to heal. I needed to seriously know that God had called me, and that I was ready. I was mm-hmm. like, God, I'm questioning the call you have on my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Was I really ready? And God's like, you know, you were ready for what I had to show you, and now you've learned, so now you're here to teach others. And the biggest thing we need to do to fight spiritual warfare is to forgive Mm. And to remember what Jesus did. And remember that Jesus allowed Judas to be at that dinner, and Jesus washed his feet. Mm. Knowing, knowing far well that he was going to betray him, that to me was the highest form of spiritual warfare for Jesus. And and we want to be more like David, where we want to scream at God and say, "Curse our enemies!" And, and we want to we want to slice off their their robes in the cave, but not cut them off all the way because we know we get in trouble for that, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been a journey, and I just want to encourage you know everyone out there that you know the best thing you can do is to not give up. I mean, if if you give up, the enemy wins. Yeah. You know, I. I I've already seen myself, ladies, with a a walker, a walker, even with a cane and a wheelchair, saying, "Girls, you get away from that tip." I mean, I I already know, God. He's told me 
my stance, and I will stand. And if you know that you know that you know you're supposed to be where you're at as a leader, nothing can knock you off. I don't care how many people come against you. You just keep standing. You stand on God's Word, and, and you trust God, and see... God will always, always, and this is the great part about, you know, being in Christ, He will always expose deception. Mm. The, the fake masks we wear, the, you know, and, you know, people that, that use us and abuse us within the body of Christ that are Christians. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you know, I love what Gandhi said, you know, Jesus, I like you, but I don't like your Christians. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, he had that peg, like, are you kidding me? This man saw something. And if, if the world can see that about us, we're in trouble. Yeah. We need to get it together, okay? I, I think so. that's so true, especially as women. Um, when women are in the corporate world, they're going, okay, I'm watching you guys doing ministry, and you can't even get along. Why would I want what you're having? And just like you said, where Gandhi's going, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't, I don't like the Christians because... We don't always represent Jesus very well when we're having all this divisiveness taking place. Well, right, Annie, right. what you're saying, like with the spiritual warfare, many times it it's like what we like to refer. It's an inside job. It's the it's not somebody on the outside. It's inside the camp that it happens. Like you said, it's people that that you that you've trusted, that you believe in, that may have started with you on a vision. And and what, one of the things you discover is like whenever you start you know, a ministry, an organization, and you have this incredible vision and you rally people around you and they're all in, rarely do those same people stay with you, you know, are with you five years down the road Mm -hmm. or 10 years down the road because people start getting, when you talk to leaders, that is such a common sentiment. And it's so painful because, especially as women, we're wired for relationships. Mm -hmm. So that's really how the enemy can really attack us is, is hurting us through our friends, but, it, but if Jesus yeah. had a Judas, why would we think we wouldn't have a Judas? Exactly. And, and that's exactly. why, yeah. just like you said, I love that, Annie, where it's like, know who you are in Christ. Because if you have that foundation, then you can take all the slams and the hits, and just you just have to keep going back to, okay, but I know who I am in Christ. And you also made a comment about almost feeling like you were disobedient because you were saying, you know, God didn't say to, to partner with that person. And I think that's really hard too. When, when things don't go right, we automatically put that we were being disobedient. And sometimes... Condemn ourselves, right? There's another yes. enemy tactic. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just didn't go right because this is earth. This isn't heaven. So right. it's like we, we might be doing the right thing, but... Well, you know, there's flesh and we're flesh and some bad things are going to happen because right. of just the spiritual warfare. Um, right. I love, okay, you said love through the hiccups, um, know who you are in Christ and know your spiritual authority. And we have one more minute before we go into our commercial break. What would be one more tip to give to our listeners today? I would say you know, know that God loves you. And it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside to everyone. Jesus made himself no reputation. And at that cross, it didn't look too good, did it? His <laughs> wonderful 3,000, exactly. 5,000, 10,000 followers were not to be seen, just a handful, okay? Don't forget that. That even at the end of your life, if it looks bad and everyone's laughing at you because you didn't have it together or, or people messed you over and you just, you know, you didn't look good in the public, just to know that God loves you and the outcome will not be seen until you get to heaven sometimes. 
you know, the good that you've done on this earth. And it doesn't matter. We should never, ever do this for trophies, for, for self-worth. We should never do this to be popular, ever. Annie, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible-built comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their mess, the truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives? Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to our show today. Our next guest is someone we have heard about for a while. And the impact she is having on our community and in women's lives is profound. Marion Douglas is the CEO, founder of Mama's House, and this is a confidential safe house for women without custodial children who are victims of domestic violence or human sex trafficking. It is a place where women can close one door and open another. And Mama's House, their mission is to transform female survivors of abuse into self-sufficient, independent women in a safe house environment that promotes healing and wholeness. So welcome, Marian. How are you today? Good morning, ladies. How are you? Thank you for having me on the show. Well, we are excited. Um, we have heard your name is like the buzzword in Mama's House here in Arizona um, through Pat McCullough and Streetlight and all kinds of, of different places. So we're excited to have you on the show today. I'm very honored to be on the show. Okay, first of all, we, we have to have you explain, because we always like to know the story behind the story. How did you come up with the name Mama's House, and what is the story behind that? Okay, I came up with the name Mama's House um, 
I worked in corporate America for over 30 years, and so the acronym, I call myself an acronym queen. But uh, the MOMA, it's my own movement toward achievement. Um, I grew up in a family of eight, and my mother raised eight of her brothers and sisters as well. So that was one woman with 16 children that she was raising by herself. Her mom passed away at a very early age, and so she took the responsibility of her brothers and sisters as well as her own children. So we had a house full, and, and she would always say to me, you know, I know each and every one of my children and what they're capable of doing. So she always, I would always say, well, you know, why be so hard on me? And she says, because I need to be. And, and I thank God for that because it has helped me uh, on this journey of Mama's house. That is, that is an amazing um, <laughs> accomplishment, 16 children, like you said, that she would know each one personally and take the time. And that is a great legacy that your mm -hmm. own mom, you know, instilled in you and that you are passing on to your extended family of, of women who have found themselves in the darkness. Like we, you know, we've been talking today about the spiritual warfare and just the dark cloud that that puts um on so many lives, especially women who find themselves in those situations of uh, domestic abuse or the sex trafficking. And we're hearing more and more about it. And that's why we, we just so appreciate that we can have these conversations because awareness is, is a key and just letting people know and, and even being aware of what the solutions are. And so we just appreciate what you've done because you, one of those women have gone, somebody's got to do something about it. I guess it's me and here's what I'm going to do. And um, explain a little bit because as leaders, you know, just getting started, it, it, it's one thing to have a, a vision and a dream and go, okay, this needs to happen. But it's another thing to really put the action steps in place and to see it through to make it happen. And so many people stop at the dream and they're just, they always say someday, someday. And how did you get from someday to this day? Well, again, like I told you, I worked in corporate America for over 30 years. And when I moved to Phoenix, I knew I wanted to do something to deal with women. I am a survivor of um, abuse, and I did not really know what that was because growing up, um, I saw it, you know, with my aunts and the domestic violence uh, with them, and then to experience it and not really know in the 80s, it's like, you know, he would get drunk and come home and we'd fight. Because remember, I grew up in a big family, so I could fight. So <laughs> I didn't really know what domestic violence was. So once I moved to Arizona and realized that I really wanted to do something, I didn't know what it was, um, I, I started seeking out. And like you said, there's so many obstacles when you have a dream and you really don't know how to go about it. So you start questioning people and it was like I was asking for their firstborn, so I thought, okay, Lord, I need to go to work. So I went to work at American Express. I was there a couple of years and just um, was not fulfilling my purpose. And so I, one day I went into work, and it was not a very good day at the office. And so on my way home, I had a talk with Jesus and said, look, J.C., Something needs to happen here. I'm, I'm going to work every day. I'm giving 110%, but I'm not being fulfilled. 
So when I came into the house, this was in February of 2007, the TV was on and Mary J. Blige was on Oprah. And so she started talking about her life and, and how, you know, the drugs and the alcohol and the abuse. And, and I'm crying these big old crocodile tears. And, you know, I'm saying, this woman has money. So what is, you know, what's going on? So at that moment, I felt like God gave me the confirmation that I needed to move forward with Mama's house. And so um, I literally went into work the next day and resigned from my position. Mm-hmm. And I had just had enough with corporate America, so I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leap out here on faith, and I'm going to do what my life uh, that I lived has prepared me to do, and that is to be a difference in another woman's life. So I then went through some training with the Coalition Against Domestic Violence, and I realized that I had been a victim of domestic violence. And so that is how I originally opened the doors. I wanted to create a safe place for women who have been uh, victims of of domestic violence who are now survivors and ready to move forward with their lives. I didn't want to be a shelter. I wanted to be kind of that next step after the shelter. So what happens after you leave the shelter? What does that look like? So um, I literally just started, you know, telling people what I wanted to do. Everywhere I went, I talked about what my vision was and how I needed support. And, again, I just quit my job. So I didn't have any money coming in. So it's like, okay, Lord, I'm doing what you want me to do. So now you've got to do what you said you're going to do. And so... In uh, 2009, we were able to open the doors and um, for the women who were victims of the domestic violence. And then that later, is, I'm sorry. That is, that is an amazing thing to do. That, that moved really quite, mm-hmm. quite rapidly. One of the things that's interesting, and um, in, in pursuing our purpose and our dream, like you said, you had to close one door and, and open another. You had to go in there and, you know, quit a a a stable, secure job, something that was familiar that you knew to pursue this dream that God had, you know, put inside of your soul. Many times we stop right there. We're not willing to take that risk to step out in faith. Right. Identify those feelings. Cause I, I, we know there's a lot of people listening and that are going, okay, I can relate to what you're saying about having that dream inside where I even the other day having a conversation with a woman and we can so identify because this is a feelings Patty and I feel so many times is you feel like there's something inside you that's about ready to burst out, but you don't know what it is. And there's something more in you to give. But so many women stop there and they're not willing to take the risk of the sacrifice. How did you push through that? I think that the most important um, piece of that is just the having the faith and to know how I felt when I was going through the domestic violence. And I had two children that I had to raise by myself. So I would say to a listener, you know, to definitely have that conversation with God and, and, and know that and trust and believe that if you close that door, that he's definitely opening a door for you. I, you know, I look back sometimes and say, oh, Mary, that was real stupid. You just quit your job. You don't have any money. But I can honestly say to you that God has provided everything that I've needed. And even some of the things that I wanted, I, I just, 
I speak it into existence. It's, it's truly a miracle. I tell people, if you're a little short on faith, come on down to Mama's house, and you'll be able to see what faith looks like. The women here live in faith. They sleep in faith. They breathe in it because this is God's property. Mama's house is more than a building. It is definitely an experience. So I would just say to them is to, to just hold on to that faith and know that God is a God that does what he says he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be moments when you, you think you're crazy, and, and my friends thought I was crazy because I took a building that should have been condemned, and I turned it into a beautiful home for these mm-hmm. women because it was important for me to show them that the beauty is in the inside of you, and that beauty from the inside resonates to the outside, no matter what you've gone through in life. And there was moments when I went through the domestic violence where, you know, I was ready to slip my wrist, but I thought, you know, what about my children? You know, what's going to happen to them? So I would just say just hold on to that faith and know that once you allow God to step in and do it, that you can achieve anything. And, that, and that's what we teach the women here as well. Well, I love that, to have that crazy faith. And you go to Mama's house if you need some more faith. That's right. Come on down and see us. <laughs> well, um, when, you, when you say that, that the women there, they just they live and breathe the faith, how do you find the women that would, would fit that profile? Because I, I know with Lisa and I, sometimes we really struggle because there's just there's such a huge need out there. And to really have that discernment, to go, okay, but I can help this person right now. Um, do, do they have to go through some type of system to know that they will be acceptable to come into your house? Okay. Initially, when I started, I, I was just going crazy, trying to just bring in everybody. And I had to sit down and say, okay, Lord, you mm-hmm. will bring the women to Mama's house that are supposed to be here. You will also bring the funding that it will take to assist these women on their journey. So what we initially started was we worked with the shelters, because remember, initially when I opened the doors, it was for women of domestic violence. So I reached out to the shelters and said, okay, I want to help single women who don't have their custodial children with them, because I found that there was a large need for that. Then when I was introduced to the sex trafficking, I started working with the federal and local law enforcement. And for me, these are God's children. So it is the church's responsibility to, to, to um, help women and to help them find resources. So now what we do is we do try to build those relationships with the churches and, again, law enforcement, and then sometimes it's word of mouth. Now, when a woman comes to Mama's house uh, from a domestic violence situation, we, again, try to work with the shelters, and there is an application process for them to go through because, you know, a lot of women say they're ready to move on, and, and, you know, most women go back three or four times before they really make that final decision. When it comes to the sex trafficking side of it, it's an emergency situation, so we have to be prepared to receive those women at that moment, you know, from, from zero to 24 hours. Well, well, Marion, we're going to have to take a quick break, and sure. when we come back, we'll just talk about the hope, the healing, and some of the signs, and how do we, as you know, as sisters in Christ, really help and encourage these women. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
Plus is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4 or 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is certified as a life coach who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on Juliana and her show, check out her website, connectwithjuliana.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to TogiNet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on TogiNet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Are talking with Marion Douglas, founder of Mama's House, where at Mama's House they work with women who are committed to transforming their lives while in recovery from domestic violence and human sex trafficking. Each individual individual has her own room and a safe, supportive environment in which she can complete life and career skills and support programs. And the aim is to achieve status as a foremost authority in the treatment of survivors of domestic violence and sex trafficking. Um, Marion, I, I can't imagine. We, we were talking earlier about spiritual warfare and just the challenges yeah. as a leader. Um, what are some of your greatest challenges as you're doing this? I mean, you, this is a lot. You know, sometimes we just take on one aspect of it, like, okay, we'll be there to help, you know, rescue the girls. But you're you're taking on the whole package and literally seeing them from point A to giving them their own room, a safe environment to, you know, giving them the life and career skills. I can't imagine. That's just a very exhausting thing to go full force into that. So what are some of your greatest challenges that, that you see? And And... We do have many great challenges. One of them is the financial um, aspect of it. It is a, it is a huge challenge. But again, having uh, built a foundation of faith, uh, we don't allow money to keep us from doing what we need to do. Mm-hmm. The spiritual warfare side of it, because the women come in and please know that these women are not broken. They're just bruised. 
Maybe mm. some relationships are broken. They're just bruised. So we, we really focus on the healing side. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, if, if we can help heal, then the women can deal with what they're going through, and then they can move forward on their journey. So we have challenges with um, seeking out counseling for them. What we do is we teach the women to utilize the tools that's already established in the community. However, you know, with a lot of the budget cuts and things, so we can't get uh, medical uh, and, like I said, the counseling and some of the other housing once they leave here. So those are challenges. But when they walk through the doors of Mama's house, we have a program called AMOM, another acronym. AMOM, aspirations. When a woman walks through the door, what does she aspire to be? Because once she's come through the door of Mama's house, the life that she lived and left is gone. It's no more. She's a new. Every day is a new day for the women in this house. And then uh, the mentors, we have mentors that come in and help the women. And then outreach, as Mama's house receives, we must also give back to the community. So we're teaching that, you know, you give and you receive, and it, it, it's a circle, and you have to be willing to give back as well as people are willing to give to you. And then motivation. You know, we, we get them motivated to move on their on, on to the next phase of their journey. And what we do at the end of their journey um, in uh, to observe National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we have a completion ceremony. They have completed this part of the journey. So we acknowledge them and we do the ball gowns and we, we just make them, you know, feel so beautiful and so proud mm-hmm. of the accomplishments. But like you said, there's many challenges because sometimes we may think that they're ready and mm-hmm. they even may think that they're ready, but when they get into the program and you start dealing with some of those things that you've suppressed, then it's hard, you know, to get to them. So mm-hmm. we, we do Bible study. Um, the women here, um, they get up every morning and they start their day with prayer and they uh, embrace each other. Uh, we create the family atmosphere because some of the women, you know, don't have that family or don't understand how it feels to be a part of a family. So it's very important to create that for them. The team of volunteers are just wonderful, and they come in and and they have the good spirit and the good heart to see these women through. What we're trying to do is create difference for these women. Um, I tell people, I couldn't make, I can't make a difference. I, I cried out to God and said, you know, what's going on? These women, they're not getting it and I'm giving all <laughs> I got. And it's like he said to, to me, Marion, you can't do my job. Mm. You can create difference. You can show difference, but only they can make the difference. And with collaboratively, then we all make a difference. And so that's what I'm trying to create in the community mm-hmm. is to get them to understand that we all have to come together. This is not one person's problem or situation. You can't be judgmental because everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. So for a woman who's trying to reach out to another woman, simply sometimes just telling your story can be the difference in another woman's life. I'm not saying you just walk up and say, hey, I was a victim, you know, I'm a survivor now. But if a woman comes to you, and, and, and I think as women we have that added sense where we can 
feel when things are, are, are not right because um, I just think God gave us that. So we, we can feel when a woman is going through something and just listen and not be judgmental and, and, and know that, you know, you can be a difference in someone's life, whether it be through conversation, whether it be through uh, mentoring, whether it be through craft, whether it be through financial assistance. Mm-hmm. You can be the difference in a woman's life. And Absolutely. What I-, I have to interrupt you, Marianne. I love okay. what you said in just the, the mentoring and the conversation because I think even for our listeners, we, we hear many times, um, I don't know how to have that conversation with someone that, like you said, is bruised. <laughs> They've been abused. You know, they're, they're not broken. Right. They're just, right. and, and that judgmental sometimes as Christians, that's how we started out by saying, you know, have you ever ha- asked someone a question? You get the, the politically correct or the spiritually correct answer. Mm-hmm. And just as women having the conversation. And I think one of the biggest things, and I, I would like to ask what, what your advice, not that, I mean, this is a loaded question because, People go for years and years to get a counseling degree, but it can be as simple as just listening, like you said, or just responding with, I am sorry. I am terribly sorry that this happened to you, Um, and I'm not surprised that you are afraid and confused. That's completely normal, and to to acknowledge that, yes, you have been a victim, and sometimes that's all it is, acknowledging, listening, and saying, I'm sorry. Is there something else in, that you can inform us, you know, just to, I know one of the things is we go into some of the clubs, uh, that's the scariest thing for some of the women when we go in there is because they, they don't know what to say. Right. So, well, I, I think a smile says a thousand words. Mm. Just smile, how are you today? And you'd be surprised sometimes when you just ask the question, how are you today? It, it, it opens the door. Or, again, like I said, telling your story. For me, it was um, wherever I went, you know, I just talked about, uh, and it wasn't so much as the abuse, is what the, the dream that God gave me of Mama's house and, and being a difference in a woman's life. So I think, you know, when you approach someone, how are you today, you know? And they, they may say, oh, I'm fine. And you don't want to pry because, again, you, you need to allow a person to open up to you. And I don't know. I think it's just a God, one of those gifts that God gave me, you know, to be able to uh, be around women and to um, be able to speak to them and understand, you know, that uh, they have gone through some things and maybe they're not ready to open up right now. And like you said, you say, I understand, you know, I understand, I apologize that you have gone through this, but do know that you are now a survivor because once you have mm-hmm. left that, even if you haven't physically left, you can be emotionally withdrawn from it and you can be spiritually because a lot of times, you know, we, we still have to go through those bumps and lumps in the road in order to get to where we're going. You know, mm-hmm. on this journey, I've had many detours, many blocked roads, but you just got to keep going and keep going and know that, you know, you will get through it. You will get through it. And you just got to keep holding on to God's hand and know that he's going to lead you right into where you need to be on your journey. Well, so much a part of our healing is in community with others. And that's Mm -hmm. what you're creating there is a home where other women, they don't feel like, 
it's just me or I'm alone or nobody understands. But um, many times when we are we, when we are hurting, um, we isolate ourselves. And so not allowing, you know, women to isolate themselves. I mean, there's time to be alone and to reflect, mm-hmm. but there's also time to be in a community and allow others to be a part of your journey of that healing and of that hope, which is what you're providing. Um, also, how do, how do you as a leader and, um, you know, the, your, the vision caster, the kind of you, you know, God put this burden and this dream inside of you. How do you personally find encouragement when you're in the midst of spiritual warfare and the attacks of the enemy? What do you do? Well, believe it or not, I find it here with the women. Mm-hmm. They have, uh, I used to wait and get up. In the, I would get up in the morning to just go, 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 go. And one of the ladies here said, you know, Miss Marion, you really need to to be fed spiritually. You need to have that work. You know, I would read and I would pray. But now every morning when I get up, I get the spiritual nourishment. So that allows me to go through the day. And, again, there's, there's other um, spiritual leaders in the community, such as Pat. I do... Um, talk with him, and, and I just let people know um, that, you know, it, it is a challenge, but again, as long as you keep God first, then you're okay. The women here have an individualized program. When you talk about isolating, sometimes they need to have their own space, and that's why it was important for me to have the women have their own room, um, because they need that time alone. We uh, We provide them with journals so they can write and if they don't want to talk about it. We don't do groups here because I don't like the whole group thing. You can't group everybody in. My situation may be different from yours, and I may not be ready to talk where another woman is. So we allow them that their own healing time because, again, everybody's situation is different. Everybody's story is different. So creating that individualized uh, development plan where each woman has uh, assistance to help her navigate through whatever um, resources she needs to do or to, to, uh, to be a part of, then that helps her along the healing process as well. Well, Marion, we want to say thank you again. We have to, we have to go for just being okay. a part of women's lives and, and allowing God to use your dream and your vision. And we'll have more information on Mama's House and Annie LaPere on our website at girlfriendit.com. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. 